Ladies and gentlemen, George Wilder Jr. deception and failure to report campaign f- uh, 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 payments. Wait, so, no, Trump, Trump, Trump 
Joining me now is author and media analyst Eric Bowler and MSNBC contributor Gabriel Sherman. Thank you, guys. All right, so we, are we seeing sort of a disturbance in the fourth game where some people at Fox can't stay on the talking point? Yeah, I mean, I love that clip you just showed where Steve Ducey was almost shocked that he was like, like, there was like a, there was like a, a glitch in the matrix and suddenly like truth came through and he said, what crime had he committed? So yeah, I think there are moments, but I think ultimately, you know, the network is still behind him. The question is, when did the, the audience turn on Trump? This right. is ultimately a ratings game for Fox. Sure. So if they start to see the ratings erode, you'll see more and more hosts break with the president. And let's play one more of the Steve Ducey versus Judge Napolitano. Just one more little clip. Donald Trump has said that that was not a campaign uh, violation because it wasn't in involving the campaign. Unfortunate damage control payment. Unfortunately, the president wasn't in the courtroom, and the people who were, uh, the federal prosecutors who had a statement from David Pecker, the guy that owns uh, uh, the National American Enquirer. National Enquirer, said it was for the campaign. The prosecutor said it was for the campaign. Michael Cohen said it was for the campaign. I wonder, you know, Eric, when, when the viewers of Fox News hear that, or right. your Chef Smith, who regularly just breaks it down and keeps it real, right. is that something that they view as their network being fair and balanced, or is this something that they just utterly reject and that ultimately management says do less of that? I think they utterly reject it. I think the, the whole idea of Fox News is you just hear this message over and over again. But the problem for Trump is going to be, you know, Fox isn't going to be enough. You know, sentencing judges, sentencing judges don't care about Fox News. Things, right? Grand juries don't care what Fox News thinks. Right. Democratic chairmen of House committees don't care what Fox News thinks. <laughs> We're entering a whole new dimension now, and 2019 is going to be much more of a legal battle versus a political partisan battle. Yeah. Fox News is very good on the partisan, the mudslinging stuff. Yep. It's very bad. Judge Napolitano is off script because he's actually a judge who kind of <laughs> understands the law. Everyone else. Uh, there's no defense that they've come up with that makes any sense for any of this Russia stuff. Yeah, I want to bring in Charlie, Charlie Sykes now. Charlie, you, you were in uh, conservative talk radio for a very long time, so you yeah. know how uh, you know, exacting uh, conservative audiences can be if you veer off script and you don't tell them what they want to hear. I wonder what you think about whether or not Fox News does have space to at some point in inject a little bit of the reality of Donald Trump's situation, because it's very difficult to hide how much jeopardy he is increasing in. That is a very, very good question because I think that uh, increasingly a lot of conservatives think of the conservative media as their safe space, a phrase yeah. you use, and they don't want to hear this necessarily. And Fox News has to look over its shoulder because there are other, even more pro-Trump networks out there. Right. But I, but I do think, but I do think that uh, was it Eric who said uh, who said that Fox News is not enough. It, it's not enough because here's the the president who has really you know try to create an alternative reality um, around all of all of this and Fox News has contributed to creating this alternative reality bubble but you know facts are stubborn things and reality does intrude and you are starting to see some cracks here but it is interesting that how does Donald Trump react to all of these threats it's to go back into his warm fuzzy safe space and and, and uh, you know uh, engage in these incredibly cringeworthy sycophantic interviews yeah. but uh, that's only that's only going to get him so far well, yeah you know we've been here before actually you know uh, at the end of the Bush presidency after Katrina we're just it was clear to everyone, even Republicans, that it was a disaster. 
Fox News basically almost stopped covering the White House. They did some stories, but they basically shifted the focus and they did other, you know, memes like War on sure. Christmas. Yeah. And so I think, you right. know, at some point they may just have to, you know, stop covering Trump so heavily yeah. and just find other stories because the audience just doesn't want to hear right. objectively bad news. Well, I mean, and one of the things that you see yeah. in that very vein is that they focus on immigration, right? They focus oh, yeah, on yeah, something yeah, that yeah, triggers right. their bases, sort of brown people, know, yeah, exactly. brown people, you know, storming the country because they completely stopped covering the caravan. Yeah, Interestingly right. enough, apparently it stopped arriving. Right. Um, but you still have people like Tucker Carlson. Here's Tucker Carlson, um, yep. who's you know pretty much been hitting that one drum of demographic change. Mm -hmm. It's scary, and that's what he's been doing. Here's a little bit of Tucker. We have a moral obligation to admit the world's poor, they tell us, even if it makes our own country poorer and dirtier and more divided. So, you know, Eric, this is their strategy, right? right? Is to just keep on harping on that. That has caused some backlash, too. Pacific Life has pulled ads from Tucker Carlson's show because of that comment. Right. The, uh, that's what they do well. They do the smear. They do the hate-mongering. They do fear. Again, they don't do legal defense very well. <laughs> and, and we saw two new polls in the last 24 hours about people don't believe Trump specifically about the Russia. Yeah. Uh, and so there's been this 18-month Trump Fox News hoax campaign, complete failure. None of that stuff plays outside of the bubble, and that's the problem they're going to have in 2019. And, Charlie, you know this audience very well, uh, as I said before, yeah. because one of the other things that seems to work, or at least to be tried, is sort of cultural grievance. Mm -hmm. And this idea yes. that it is all a conspiracy, not just against Trump, but by extension against conservatives, that the left just hates conservatives, and that that's the reason that they're trying to investigate Trump. Donald Trump this morning feeding that same thing by going after Saturday right. Night Live, which is an odd thing to do to keep on. He's obviously watching Saturday Night Live, um, and he, he it really upsets him that they make fun of him. But I, I put that up just to say that I've heard this for very many years, this idea among the right where they say co comedy is biased against conservatives. And therefore, when people are making fun of someone like Donald Trump, by extension, they're making fun of the right. That is a way to defend Trump, even against lying and criminality. Yeah, there's there's two things. Yes, um, the distraction, you know, you know, like it's almost like the dog with a squirrel. Like, oh, let's look over here at Hillary's emails or these these uh, dark, dirty people coming across the border. But it is extraordinary the extent to which people on the right have played the victim card. Yeah. So about 20 years ago, I wrote a book called A Nation of Victims, but I never thought that the conservative <laughs> movement would embrace describing themselves as victims. And Donald Trump plays this, blaming the problems on the other, but also saying that attack on him or attacks on you, mm -hmm. which is why he plays this cultural grievance. So, for example, you know, when he criticizes, you know, his, his critics, watch how he pivots to say, this is not about me. They are insulting you. They are coming for you. This is an assault on your values. And that, of course, has resonated. This, this is one of the reasons, you know, this was one of the, the themes of the Trump administration, I mean, the Trump campaign and the Trump administration, and also this belief that Donald Trump himself can never fail. He can only be betrayed or undermined. Yeah. You know, the buck never stops with Donald Trump, and you're going to see that theme a lot. And you know, um, Gabe, I I'm curious to see, again, how long in the Fox News establishment, you know, Roger Ailes was very good at grievance, right? Yeah. And so was Right Wing Talk Radio, for, yeah. for, to be right honest politics, with you. Yeah. If you listen to, over the years, Rush Limbaugh, it was a similar theme. They're coming after you. Yeah, yeah. They're stealing from you. They, that amorphous they is out to get you. That's a pretty consistent and powerful theme. But Fox News did hire some people who still stop and want to be journalists, right? Yeah, who yeah. still want to do that job. Chris Wallace, um, who often is in that pivot position yeah. of being doing conservative TV, but mm -hmm. also doing journalism. Here he is again, and I wonder how long this kind of thing can mm -hmm. survive. Take a listen. 
Michael Flynn, the president says, you know, Mueller says he lies. Flynn said he didn't lie. What he neglects to mention is that the president fired him uh, three weeks after he became the national security advisor. Why did he fire him? For lying. So the president fired the man for lying who he's now defending against lying. I'm always fascinated by that dichotomy, right? Yeah, because yeah. Chris Wallace is still going to do that. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how long the management at Fox, the new management at Fox, will tolerate. Is, is that something that they encourage? Yeah, so I think one of the changes in the Roger Ailes era, a comment like that would have gotten someone taken off the air. It was much more top down. I think in the post Ailes era, they go where the audience goes. So they allow you know moments like that to happen because the ratings are good, mm -hmm. but there's not the kind of authoritarian top down where, you know, example is during the 08 campaign, a young reporter had criticized Sarah Palin for not giving access to the press. That person was pulled off the air never to appear again. Wow. So things like that happen. They happen less now because the Murdochs are just primarily concerned with money and the money is pouring in. And, and I wonder now when you extrapolate from there to something like Sinclair, which is right. doing a completely different thing right. that is actually broader than what Fox is doing. They're just feeding direct propaganda into the homes of people through their traffic and weather together. I mean, that is an, a much sort of more ominous kind of uh, development. Well, people saw the, how much money you can make from Fox. And if you are a radical ideologue like the owners of Sinclair, they say, well, let's just take this to the local stations. And you say, let's, let's infiltrate uh, local news. Because polling shows people actually uh, uh, admire and respect local news right, and trust, trust it. Yeah. Anything on local news, they're, they're more likely to trust. So that has been another in. But, you know, Sinclair ran into a problem. Uh, they had to make an apology a couple weeks ago. So they're always seeing these bumps along the road the way Fox is. And and they don't really know how this whole Trump thing is going to play how out. How it's going to play, and that can, is the question, can I, Charlie. Can I add you know, going here too. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, and, and, and also, you know, speaking of this this pattern that we've been des describing, the the uh, shutdown of the Weekly right. Standard um, right. on, on on Friday is really part of all this, and really rather extraordinary that one of the very very few independent Trump skeptical publications on the right has basically been well ritualized, the, the, the victim of ritualized murder by by the owners. And you know how ironic that just as the Trump presidency appears to be imploding, that this very, very important dissenting, independent, fact-based voice on yeah. the right mm -hmm. has been silenced. Yeah, yeah, it is an interesting yeah. development. Um, thank you, guys. Uh, Eric Fowler and Gabriel Sherman. Thank you very much. Charlie's going to be back later in the show. Well, Trump is now promising really good health care. Listen, 24 hours after an activist Republican judge went after Obamacare. More on that next. really good health care. Exciting things happened over the last 24 hours. If the Republicans and the Democrats get together, we are going to end up with incredible health care, which is the way it should have been from day one. Okay, well, you won't be surprised to find out that that's not true. The Affordable Care Act is still the law of the land this morning, and there are no signs that Congress has any plans to redo health care from scratch. What Trump was referring to was the surprise ruling Friday night, perfectly timed to disrupt the final day of Obamacare's open enrollment, in which a conservative federal judge in Texas declared that the Affordable Care Act is unconstitutional, despite the Supreme Court ruling six years ago to uphold the ACA. This new ruling could put the health care law on track to wind up right back in the high court again before an even more conservative bench. Joining me now, Jonathan Cohen of the Huffington Post. Perry Bacon Jr. of 538.com, and Wendell Potter, founder of Tarbell.org. Thank you all for being here. And Jonathan, I'm going to start with you. We spoke the other night uh, during the Rachel Maddow show. Have you had time to digest this ruling, and what are your thoughts on its viability? 
Yeah, so I mean, the the ruling the first time we looked at it Friday night, it, it looked uh, it, it looked kind of bananas, which is what, uh, and, and I use that phrase because in the two days since, I, I've read a lot of the commentary from a lot of the legal experts, and yeah. I see that a lot of uh, conservative experts have looked at it and said, this ruling is bananas. That's actually a direct <laughs> quote from the guy who filed the last lawsuit right. against the Affordable Care Act. I mean, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, it basically says we need to uh, obey, well, we have to respect the will of Congress. Congress, what Congress said back in 2010, even though Congress changed its mind in 2017. And again, people know this is all about the, the basis of the case is the individual mandate, the penalty that's now gone. Does that, can the law stand or fall? Um, whether, you know, what happens with the case is hard to say. I mean, you know, uh, this is a fairly far-fetched legal argument. Um, it's hard to imagine a circuit court upholding it. It's even harder to imagine John Roberts, who had two chances to vote against the Affordable Care Act on much more plausible grounds yeah. voting against it. But, you know, it's not a guarantee. I mean, who knows? I mean, that's the thing. Now the possibility is out there. And that's the thing, uh, Perry Bacon Jr. We've been talking about the Affordable Care Act since, you know, what, eight years now. Um, and, and the reality is, is that as the law has gotten more popular, let's see a poll here, it's got a 53 to 40 favorable ruling. As the law has gotten more unpopular, that hasn't changed the Republican messaging on it. And Republicans have consistently, more than 50 votes in the House to try to overturn it. They've consistently tried to gut it. This is still their thing to get rid of it. So Republicans haven't changed their mind and just maybe it's just my cynicism but the courts are packed with Republican judges who simply think exactly like the base of the party. Right. I think, you know, think about how much Mitch McConnell's focused on judicial appointments to the exclusion of almost everything else. That is his big priority. I think the reason for that is you're likely to see more sort of venue shopping. We can let's find the judge who will issue a ruling like this. The conservatives targeted this judge, used to work for John Cornyn, knowing he would issue this kind of ruling. I think Jonathan's right. As long as John Roberts is on the, in the court, you have four Democratic votes plus Roberts. It's probably likely the decision will ultimately stand up. But I think we're now in almost year nine of Obamacare resistance. You have states won't, won't expand Medicaid, states won't use marketplaces, all these lawsuits. And I think you're going to see this continue. We might be in year 12, a year 13. The Republicans now know they probably can't repeal this through Congress because it's unpopular, but I think they're going to keep looking for the courts to knock down Obamacare for them. And you know, Wendell, I, uh, Wendell Potter, I want to go to sort of another issue here, which is that you've got what Republicans, someone has described this ruling as the dog that caught the car, right? You have a on the one hand, activist Republicans just don't believe in the idea of regulating the insurance markets. They believe insurance companies should have the right to charge people higher uh, you know, premiums if they want to because they have pre-existing conditions. They just don't believe in the idea of this at all. And on the other hand, you have people who have to legislate who they don't have the luxury of just being ideological. They may vote to overturn uh, the Affordable Care Act, but they do so when they know it won't actually happen, right? So now let me show you a little bit of that dichotomy of Susan Collins, who's going to be up for real in a couple of years. Here's what she said about the ACA and this ruling earlier today. I think this will be overturned on appeal. You do? I do. In the Supreme Court or in the Fifth Circuit or where, where do you think it's... I'm not sure where it will occur, but there's no reason why the individual mandate provision can't be struck down and keep all of the good provisions of the Affordable Care Act. At least for now, Susan Collins on the record saying that she thinks that this will be overturned uh, until it's politically expedient to change her mind. But now you have probably the most radical member of the Trump administration, uh, Stephen Miller, who was on CBS this morning, and here were his thoughts. 
so to be clear there, you're predicting that this goes to the Supreme Court and that the Supreme Court ultimately strikes down. I believe that's the likeliest outcome because Obamacare has always been unconstitutional. So Wendell Potter, that's the dichotomy, right? People have to get elected, right. don't want to say they're against things like the pre-existing conditions provision. People like Stephen Miller are like, yeah, kill the whole law. Yeah, I think uh, Senator Collins has a much better understanding of how our health care system operates than Stephen Miller does. That's one thing. And I think that the senator is uh, hoping and, frankly, relying on the Fifth Circuit to uh, save the Republicans from themselves. And by the way, the Fifth Circuit, the chief judge there is uh, a Clinton appointee. So the chances of it being overturned there or this decision being overturned uh, is much greater. I think that that's probably the case. And whether it reaches the Supreme Court, you know, we'll just have to see. But I think that uh, increasingly, Republican lawmakers and certainly Republican uh, voters are beginning to understand that we can't go back to where we were. In fact, uh, a significant uh, percentage of Republicans are saying we need to go much further and maybe even embrace the Medicare for all type system. That's one thing that I think uh, we're going to be seeing is that um, more and, and I think one of the problems with the Republicans is that they were misreading a lot of the polls. That uh, yeah, it has been unpopular at the ACA in the past, but a lot of the, that unpopularity is that the law did not go far enough, and it left the insurance companies uh, more or less still running our health care system. So I think uh, uh, I, I think that we're going to be seeing when the new Congress is sworn in. That's going to be a move not only to preserve the Affordable Care Act, but also to move beyond that. And Jonathan Cohen, you were nodding there. You think that this might trigger to actually expansion of the law? Yeah, I mean, I think that might. cold it is cold and as i've said on the show yesterday and i believe the day before stay warm everybody stay safe stay warm and if you don't have any heat in your apartment or your house you know who to call (laughs) i'm not talking about ghostbusters um you know um call your uh, landlord or or your mortgage holder or, or whoever and find out why you don't have any heat. Don't do not sit in your house and freeze because so many people are. When I when I say freeze, I'm not talking a deadly frost. I'm just saying do not stay in your house or your apartment cold. You know, I mean there's avenues that you can take according to uh the news media. So uh, be safe, everybody, you know, and that's what it's all about. All right. The George Wilder Jr. Show is on the air and 
it says here the Trump administration rolls back worker protection rules, and it's under investigation. Trump is always rolling back something that is uh, protecting you from all kind of wrongdoing. He's always rolling back something because he, as I've said a thousand times months ago, his war is with the American people, with us. I mean, the the latest shutdown proves it. And we're going to be having another shutdown, they say, on on the 15th, if Trump does not get any money for his border wall. And he says if they're negotiating, uh, talking about Congress, if they're negotiating uh, funding for a wall, it better be for a wall or he's not going to read it. He doesn't read anyway. He can't read. He can't write. (laughs) If you see his tweets, if you've seen his tweets and all the misspellings and all the grammar errors, and he's talking about he's not going to read something like he like he's scaring uh, uh, and threatening the American people. I'm not going to read it if it doesn't have money in there for a wall. Yeah, uh, it's pretty much another shutdown is almost pretty much guaranteed, you know, uh, on the 15th. And people will be back, will be back in this, um, this uh, spiral of uh, federal workers not being paid. And this will be the third or fourth shutdown of the Trump administration. And how in the hell does he think the American people will not hold him responsible for this at the ballot box if he makes it that far? How does he not think he thinks? I mean, if you think about it, Trump thinks that you and I and the rest of the American people, we're just stupid. We're just stupid. We're going to take his abuse, and then we're going to vote for him because we're afraid of him. He actually thinks that. And if you ever notice, Trump is always threatening to sue somebody, somebody who's written something bad about him or said something awful about him. He, he's always threatened. He threats, 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 but he never follows through on those threats. So some of them say, well, Trump is going to sue. Trump is not going to sue because if Trump would have – if Trump was going to sue – uh, uh, he'd have done it a long time ago. Trump is not going to sue because he doesn't want all the bad things about him to get out. He doesn't want personal things that he feels are nobody's business to get out. So he's not going to sue because people are going to go all through his dirty laundry if he decides to sue, and he doesn't want that. So he'll either set, he'll Trump will either excuse me Trump will either settle settle out of court or he will not sue. Period. Look at all these lawsuits, these 3,000 and more lawsuits under Trump's, and he hasn't gone to court yet. He sent other people to, to do his dirty work probably. But anyway, he's always rolling back some, some kind of protection for the American people because he's after us. Okay, it says here the federal watchdog dog for the Department of Labor is conducting a broad investigation into the Trump's administration process for making regulatory changes following allegations of officials of that officials are under undoing worker protection without the following proper procedures, according to a letter. Trump doesn't want to do anything properly or go through the right procedures to get something done. He opens his mouth, he demands, and he threats, 
That's how he wants to get his shit. He doesn't want to go through federal courts. He doesn't want to go through Congress. He wants to uh, be a dictator. He wants to say, I want this. I want that. I want to do it this way. I don't need them. Bingo. And he wants it done. But he realized that it's not that simple. He's just a man. He's just the president. He'll just be president until he's not president anymore. And he cannot undo or unchain some of these laws. They've tried. They have tried. But since the blue wave, uh, that stopped a lot of things. And now some of the Republicans are coming over to the side of the Democrats because they see this as a no-win situation. However, if the blue wave did not uh, prevail back on uh, November 6, 2018, and we had Republicans, this country would cease to exist as we know it now. And we knew that. And we kept telling people, vote like you. Like your life depended on it because it surely did. It really did. Because now we got Mitch McConnell saying that uh, he doesn't believe in democracy. He's saying that the Democratic plan to make to make Election Day uh, a holiday, Election Day a holiday, is a power grab by the Democrats. It is not. It is not. It's just making sure that everybody vote, get out there and vote, have a chance of getting out there to vote. It could be a holiday. It could be a paid holiday for a lot of employees. The thing is that Republicans, GOP, the GOP, they are afraid of people who vote. This is why they do all they can to suppress the vote, not just nationally, but also locally, state and city uh uh, municipalities, excuse me, you know, uh, they're afraid of, 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 of people voting. Pennsylvania, they're afraid of people voting. This is why they try to stop it. This is why they want to cheat. And the Democrats should make cheating. I think Democrats should make cheating and lying to the American people a crime. Totally, totally, totally. Cheating and lying, a crime. No, no, matter, no matter who does it, whether it's Republicans, uh, Democrats, Independents, if you cheat and lie, if you're in office and you cheat, you lie, you scam, you con, that should be uh, grounds for removal, period, period. Cheating and lying and not doing your job. Even though you put your hand on the Bible and swore to the Constitution that you're going to uphold uh, all those rights and you're going to, you know, protect the United States, you're going to protect the United States. So that's what has to happen, folks. You know, but uh, that's what I have to ha- has to happen because um, Trump is undoing everything. You know, he's using his little bit of power. Uh, when I say a little bit of power, I'm talking about his executive authority because he can just sign stuff in and out into law. He doesn't have to go through the legislative process. He's always trying to get around Congress, you know, and, and he's wreaking havoc. What can I say? So um, we just have to do something. We, we have to do something. And I think, I think we're on a positive, on a positive track. All right, let's go to the phones. Let's see what's going on here. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. 
Wilder. Good evening, George. It's Stephen Howard. How are you doing this evening? How you doing, Stephen? Glad you could make it. Wow, I was I was thinking maybe the cold was going to hold you up. The cold weather. <laughs> well, where I live, you'll you won't want to know it, but it was 68 degrees today. So oh um, man, start... I want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for what it you're going is... through. It's 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 sixty below here, <laughs> sixty eight below. What I heard. Uh, what I heard. Yeah. Man, no, no. That's what I... Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty awful. But you know what? The temperature is rising, so it's starting to feel a little bit better. But uh, people around the Midwest and elsewhere, we are really really going through it. But after this, if we can get through this, we'll give ourselves a pat on the back. Absolutely. Stephen Howard on the George Wilder Jr. show. So, Stephen, let me see what we we got here. If I if I'm on, okay, let's see. You're the guy. You you're the last day of the month, and you're going to be talking about telling us about Alzheimer's, dementia, and stroke. Yes, sir. All right, talk about it. Well, uh, I'm kind of on a mission to uh, educate people in this country. Uh, unfortunately, current projections call for dementia. Alzheimer's and stroke to increase by 67% in the next decade, which means by the year 2030, over, four, or over 10 million Americans will be suffering from some forms of dementia, Alzheimer's, and stroke. And, and uh, the good news on this front, George, and for your audience, is that it, these illnesses are postponable perhaps even preventable, but they require some lifestyle changes. We are, we are eating ourselves into an unhealthy brain society. Would you say that Alzheimer's, dementia, and stroke can happen to anyone at any age if, they're, if they decide not to uh, seek all, all, you know, lifetime changes? Uh, yes, although uh, dementia and Alzheimer are typically more elderly diseases, and I, and I think okay. one of the problems that we face as a country is that people think of it as an old age disease, but it's yeah. just the first the first incidence, not incidence, but it starts in our 30s and our 40s. So people need okay. to start making those lifestyle changes in their 30s and 40s, not after they retire. And so it's progressive. It is. It is indeed. It is indeed. Wow. Wow. And uh, do people I'm hearing that some people are walking around, they don't even know that they're they have it or they or they're going to get it. No, there's no early warning signals. Um, mm-hmm. Forgetfulness is obviously one, but you know, you, any, any of us can forget where we place our keys on any given day. So that's not yeah. necessarily a sign of dementia, um, but it's the repetitive nature of it. It's when you have repeated conversations of the same over and over and over. My dad suffered from this. Uh, every time I drove him to the doctors, he would point out this new housing area. He'd say, wow, that one's really coming up. Well, it had been finished two years ago. And he was, oh, I don't remember seeing that before. And we'd driven past it the month before. And it was like the same conversation every trip. Uh, and so wow. that, those are the really big signs of it. Um, and yeah. um, and and a lot of it, quite honestly, it, it, it's, it's not just our diets, which is one uh, major contributor to it, but stress yeah, is one the element. other contributor. Yeah. yeah, stress is another key key factor in developing uh, any of these brain illnesses, and uh, we all need to learn how to reduce stress in our lives and and um, kind of become more more present, more mindful, and um, not overreact to situations. 
Yeah, it's sad to see people, you know, uh, saying that their loved ones do not recognize them and their loved ones just don't recognize them and the memory is going is going fast and uh it, it, it that's sad and what are some of the um things people can do actually do to slow down the oncoming of our uh alzheimer's what can people do to slow down the uh uh, onset of Alzheimer's. Well, in honesty, it, it, the the angels saying that what's good for your heart is good for your mind is absolutely true. So it's reduce weight, get your blood pressure down, eat a heart healthy diet, get some level of exercise. You know, 20 minutes of walking a day, um, and then most importantly, the one other one thing that's more for the brain than for the the heart is particularly as people age and as people retire. They need to maintain a social life. Um, the uh, too many people when they retire sit around watch TV, watch old movies, um, and they don't have those social interactions outside the family. And it takes more than just outside the family. So you need to keep a fairly rigorous social, active lifestyle. And, um, all you know, one of the help. things, yeah, yeah. One of the things, one 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 other thing that I heard that will help is to keep your keep your mind. Uh, strong and healthy by playing board games of checkers, uh, chess, or video games or something like that. That will also keep your mind strong. Uh, do you agree with that one? To a limited extent. Research has showed, and there's a lot of brain apps mm-hmm. on the web that you can download yeah. to an extent. But quite frankly, spending an hour a day playing Sudoku after 30 days, all that does is make <laughs> you better at Sudoku. Um, but what does do? I play it, man. I do. I, I do play yeah, it. I have an app yeah. for it. You know, I uh, I play yeah. it. I you know. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, but here here's the trick, George, and and for your listeners is the brain yeah. likes new things. So one thing you can do is, and we all get into routines, and so drive yeah. a different route to work. Uh, notice different construction sites, different you know new new restaurants opening. Your brain mm-hmm. will will observe things that are new to it. If you are a walker, don't walk the same you know, whatever it is in the park every time, you know, take a yeah. different route, go to a different neighborhood, notice, notice uh, who's painting their house, notice uh, the trees or the flowers, whatever that anything new will keep the brain going. So Sudoku for a few days is great and then crosswords for a few days, but it's really something really new that gets the brain yeah. really making new brain cells is, is what yeah. it's all about. Yeah. Exercise, diet, thinking positive, social activities, you know, as you grow older, and that's all uh, uh, sounds pretty good, and it probably could slow the onset of Alzheimer's. But uh, I think you're trying to say that you know Alzheimer's is is uh, inevitable for some people. For some people, there is a genetic factor to it. For some people, it's, mm-hmm. it's inevitable. It's, mm-hmm. it's not totally preventable, um, but it, it research is showing that you have a better chance of postponing it or not having it to such a severe rate. If yeah. you uh, if you do the things that you just mentioned, and there's one other factor that will help, and that is adequate sleep. Uh, the brain yeah. needs sleep to yeah. regenerate itself, and um, if we don't get sufficient sleep, our cognitive functions start to go astray. And so, sufficient sleep, depending on everyone's needs, are different, but somewhere between five and a half yeah. to seven hours a night uh, is good. 
Yeah, you're right about that. Everyone's uh, everyone has a different uh, body makeup, and everyone's is everybody is different. Because you have some older people in 85 and 90 years old. I mean, they their memory and their brain cells they are sharp. <laughs> They're sharper than they ever were. When they, you know, I've seen people like that. You know. Oh, and and there are some, and and they probably have yeah. the right genetic mark quite frankly. Um, but, you know, think about that we're going to have uh, 10 to 14 million people in this country and, and almost yeah. 80 million people around the world suffering from these illnesses, you know, in 10 years from now. It's kind of sad to think about. Yeah. So you're saying the same thing is probably for stroke victims too. do some of the same things you would do to slow the onset of Alzheimer's to slow the onset of maybe a heart attack or a stroke. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yes, and the, mm-hmm. and the reason for that, quite honestly, George, is is the brain is the largest user of blood in our in our body, and so the heart pumps that yeah. blood. So the, the heart has problems and it can't pump the blood, and that's why often people who have heart issues later develop mm-hmm. uh, brain issues because they're not getting enough blood circulation uh, on a regular basis to the brain. So absolutely correct. Yeah, and oh, so basically. Uh, Eat properly and exercise, you might slow the onset of heart disease uh, and things like that. And lose weight. Lose. And I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it's, I'm sure you know 60% yeah. of this country is obese and something like 25% is, is grossly obese. Or, or it's, Yeah, um, yeah. Stephen, I've it's seen sad. some big people. I've, <laughs> I've seen some huge people. And I'm saying to myself, you know, it won't be long if they don't start doing something. They're not going to be around long. I've seen, and you know, I was so shocked when I was watching world news the other day and I was seeing all of these obese people. And then I would go outside my home. I would see more obese people than I would see people at a regular weight. And uh, a go, lot of people are, go, uh, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, go, go right on an airplane. Go on an airplane. I almost guarantee you've got a yeah. 50% chance of somebody being overweight sitting next to you, uh, if not next to you in, the, in one of the aisles in front of you or behind you. I, I travel about 40% of the time, and, and it is amazing. Uh, people can't almost, almost not squeeze into their airline seats anymore. I've seen it at the movies <laughs> sitting by me. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, Stephen a, Howard on the George. They had a large, a, a large you, popcorn with them too. Go ahead. Yeah, so I bet the, in the movie theater they had that large popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stephen Howard on the George Auto Junior Show. Uh, this is great, Stephen. Do you have any books or somewhere we can go get a p- book on this? Well, yes, sir, because I actually, the reason I got involved in this is I wrote the book because my father, so I was the caregiver for my father in his last few years, and he suffered from early stage Alzheimer's the last couple years, Uh and so I started researching it, and that's how I got involved in in this. So the book is called Better Decisions, Better Thinking, Better Outcomes, and in the book, I've got some brain facts and brain myths, a lot of healthy tips, a a few mindfulness practices, Um, but it's really all about um, making that decision to either start a healthy lifestyle or make that decision not to be stressed and not to get emotionally hijacked so that you can do better thinking and make better decisions. So, um, yeah, the book is on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle. Um, so um, it's um, I hope people grab it and read it. I'd love to hear from readers what they think yeah. of it. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, so your your father had Alzheimer's, and you sort of kind of uh, written a book about your experience with your father having this disease, and 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 you're putting it out there for others who may be going through some of the similar things, and they can probably get some help from your experience with your own father. It is, and also book. the book is really yes, and it, and the book has a kind of a broader. Um, purpose i think george is that um as mm-hmm. i said stress is a big factor and and the yeah. reason i call it better decisions better thinking many people think well if i think better i'll make better decisions but i put it in the order of better decisions better thinking because the first decision you have to make is not to get emotionally hijacked we we live in a society right now where our brains are overloaded we're under stress yeah. and as a result, we, 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 we just re, we react to everything. We react to people. We react to situations. We react to events. And the point I'd like to make for your listeners is that this is why we call them first responders. Now, I was trained as a rescue yeah. diver years ago. And when you're trained as any kind of a rescue or first responder, first thing you're trained to do is, is to assess the situation. If we, re, if we react to a situation, um, then we can make it worse. But if we respond, mm. if we slow down and respond to it, and that's why they're called first responders. We don't want them to be first reactors because they will often make the situation worse. Well, the same thing in the workplace. And so a lot of the book talks about techniques you can use in the workplace to slow down, get, your, get a grip on yourself, don't get emotionally hijacked, and don't react, respond to the person or the event or the situation that's, that's taking place. Okay, Stephen, tell us where you where we can buy your book and give us a website where we can go and uh, check out more of this information. I appreciate it. Uh, well, the book is on Amazon. It's exclusive on Amazon. Yeah. It's in paperback and in Kindle. Again, the title is Better Decisions, Better Thinking, mm-hmm. Better Outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, uh, in addition, mm-hmm. a, a, an author of 20 books. I do leadership training. So, wow, 20 uh, books. Have, Twenty books, sir. Yes, a few more than you. I, 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 I love your track record. A few more than you, but I, I'm probably a bit older. You, you know too, what they sir, call so us? Probably gotta, what, what's that? They call us prolific writers, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or crazy. <laughs> yeah, or crazy. Yeah, or crazy. Go right ahead. So my leader, my leadership website is uh, Caliente Leadership. Caliente, uh, the Spanish word for hot, but it's also the pat the. Spanish word for passionate, and I'm passionate yeah. about leadership. So, yeah. calianteleadership.com, and you can see my other books. You can read about my leadership programs and yeah. uh, contact me through the website. I'd be happy to help anybody out that uh, that's interested. You know, I'm interested. I'm going to be the first one to go to your website. <laughs> I'm going to try and get drive other people to it because I'm going to, uh, once we're done with this show, I'm going to uh, uh, share this show with a lot of people that I know uh, across uh, uh, the social media and uh, um, try to get as many people involved in this as I possibly can because this is serious. Alzheimer's, dementia, stroke is serious issues that people go through daily. And you'd be surprised at a lot of people who don't know what to do uh, yeah. about this. Yeah. You know, they're watching their loved ones deteriorate right in front of their eyes. You know, and maybe they can do some, something about it. So I'm going to share this with a lot of people. They can. If you'll send me the link, I'll do the same with my social media contacts. And, uh, and that's one yeah. of the reasons I've priced the book. The book is uh, less than $25. I want, I, want, I, want it, I want people to be able yeah. to afford it and read it 
and take their time with it. And uh, and and you know, as a society, we can do a better job. We can we can reduce that sixty seven percent increase yeah. uh, if we all work yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah, Stephen, I will send you a link to it. I'll, give me about an hour, and I will send it to you, and I will start getting the word out about wow. uh, what's happening. And, you know, I mean, I send you the link, and people can listen to you on this show with this link. All right, thanks for being on the show, man, and thanks for sharing all that great information. Thank you. Stay as warm as you can, my friend. <laughs> you bet I am. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. <laughs> all right, <laughs> Stephen Howard on the George Wilder Jr. Show. And as I've said before, folks, we are in a cold snap. The temperature is actually going up, and that's a good thing. We'll be right back.
is Democracy Now!, mm -hmm. democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. And I'm Juan Gonzalez. Welcome to all of our listeners and viewers across the country and around the world. The government shutdown enters its 12th day as President Trump prepares to meet with congressional leaders just a day before Democrats take control of the House. President Trump has insisted on including $5 billion for a border wall funding before he'll agree to sign any spending measure. Trump tweeted Tuesday, quote, border security and the wall thing and shutdown is not where Nancy Pelosi wanted to start her tenure as speaker. Let's make a deal. 800,000 government workers' lives have been thrown into disarray by the shutdown, with 380,000 on furlough and 420,000 who have worked without pay since the House and Senate failed to pass an end-of-year spending bill on December 22nd. This is President Trump speaking to Fox News on New Year's Day. So how far are you willing to go, Mr. President? When do you anticipate uh, talks with uh, Chuck and Nancy, as you say, sir? Well, I assume when they get back, I'm in Washington, I'm ready, willing and able, I'm in the White House, I'm ready to go, they can come over right now, they could have come over any time, I spent Christmas in the White House, I spent uh, New Year's Eve now in the White House, and uh, you know, I'm here, I'm ready to go, it's very important, a lot of people are looking to get their paycheck, and uh, so I'm ready to go anytime they want, no, we are not giving up, we have to have border security, and the wall is a big part of border security, the biggest part. This comes as Trump is the border with Mexico. Here's what he tweeted today. He said the U.S. will be forced to close the southern border entirely if the obstructionist Democrats do not give us the money to finish the wall. The president owns the shutdown. Remember, he is the one who said this. I will shut down the government. Okay, fair enough. And we I am disagree. proud, and I'll we tell you disagree. what, I am proud to shut down the government for border security, Chuck. I will take the mantle. I will be the one to shut it down. I'm not going to blame you for it. Well, he's got that right. And the blame is all his. Uh, but Nancy Pelosi clearly on the minds of top aides at the White House today. Watch this. She's unwilling to actually do anything until she gets her speakership. This all comes down to Mrs. Mrs. Pelosi's speakership. She does not have the votes, uh, and if she cuts a deal with the president uh, of any sort before her election on January 3rd, uh, she's at risk of losing her speakership. So we're in this for the long haul. It's a good talking point. They're all on message, but uh, they are wrong. House Democrats back in November overwhelmingly picked Pelosi to be their nominee for House Speaker. And she'll likely have all the support that she needs when the vote takes place on January 3rd, which is next Thursday, by the way. It's coming quickly. And that's the date that the president and all those people who are talking there, all of his aides, that they really should be worried about. You know why? Because Democrats take control of the House. And that means control of all the powerful committees that have been toothless under Republicans. They won't be anymore. And with control of the committees comes subpoena power. Democrats are ramping up staffing. They're posting jobs, especially for investigators and lawyers with expertise in criminal law, as well as constitutional law, commercial, administrative, and bankruptcy law. That's a lot. Key Democrats say they have been inundated by impressive resumes that a lot of people want to be part of what's expected to be the largest congressional investigation of a sitting president in recent memory. So here we go. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy 2019. 
Yet on the other side of Pennsylvania Avenue, inside the Trump White House, major jobs unfilled. The president doesn't have a permanent chief of staff. He doesn't have a permanent defense secretary or attorney general. And that's just to name a few. Word from inside the White House is that since the Democrats' big victory in the midterm elections, President Trump has been worried. He should be. Even though he constantly says this about the Mueller. He said, okay, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't sure I didn't quite hear him there, that it's a witch hunt. Despite Trump never missing a chance to minimize the Russia investigation, Mueller has already sent, these are the facts, okay, four people to prison he sent. One person, Trump's campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, was convicted at trial. Seven people have pleaded guilty, including Trump's former personal attorney, Michael Cohen. Thirty-six people and entities have been charged. In 2019, we're likely to see new developments in the investigation when Democrats take control. And the new year will likely bring new lies. The president told some whoppers this year. We can't list them all because we don't have enough time in this broadcast. But here's one, like when he said that he didn't know about payments to Stormy Daniels. Remember that one? President, did you know about $130,000 payments to Stormy Daniels? No, no. Why did Michael Cohen make it? Well, you have to ask Michael Cohen. Michael's my attorney, and you'll have to ask Michael Cohen. Who's going to pay for the wall? Mexico. Another lie. Just to rile up his base. Mexico made it clear to Trump, it's not paying for a wall. Its former president used um, a more graphic language that I can't repeat on this program. He's not going to pay for a you-know-what wall, he said. But here's one thing that is true tonight as we head into day eight of this shutdown. It's time for Americans to see those highly touted negotiating skills from the dealmaker in chief and get the government working again. A lot of people are not getting paid. And there's a lot to discuss in the hour ahead. Let's begin with Ested Herndon and David Swerdlick and also April Ryan. April is the author of Under Fire, reporting from the front lines of the Trump White House. So good to have all of you on. Almost hey, New Year's. The government Happy is New still, Year. Happy New Year. Uh, the government is still shut down. Ested, I'm going to start with you. You think shutting down the southern border is a real possibility right now? Yeah, I don't think that that's something we'll, we'll see from the president. I mean, that is something that's going to take a lot uh, of initiative. And we know that um, we, we know that the Democrats are coming into the House, and that's going to be something that's going to limit his ability to, to do those type of actions. But what we're seeing is the president, who is under extreme pressure from the base uh, to, to, to have increased actions on the southern border, and he is feeling that type of heat. He's feeling that pressure, and so he wants to show that he has, has a strong hand, that he is that he's doing everything he can to limit immigration, but that is something that the Democrats are going to be able to rein in because the money that it would take, all of those are things that are going to have to go through the Congress, and we're not going to be able to see that. So, uh, you know, he returned to one of his favorite scare tactics. Remember this during uh, the midterms, April. Today, this is what he tweeted. He said, word is that a new caravan <coughs> excuse me, is forming in Honduras, and they are doing nothing about it. He seemed to drop the caravan, the caravan after the midterms, but you think he could effectively use it to lobby for a wall? I don't think so. I think everyone is kind of uh, 
I think everyone is kind of uh, hip to this game. Uh, you know, during the election, uh, the midterm election, we kept hearing this caravan. The caravan was hundreds of miles away. And it was like, you know, it was imminent doom, like it was happening the next day, and it didn't happen. And it's almost like the boy who cried wolf. The president keeps saying it and saying it, and, and it's not true. Um, this president has been caught in so many um, big tales, uh, if you will. I'm not going to go to the word lie, but, you know, in his mind he might believe it. Um, and in Sarah Huckabee's mind they might believe it as it's well. It's still a lie if they believe, believe well. it. Even but, if they believe it, it's not the truth, but go on. Okay, thank you for pointing that out. You're right. But but you remember, I have to work there, so I have to, gosh, I have to cushion it. But, um, no, but, you know, this president cries these big, makes these big, tremendous, uh, huge tales, and it, it, they don't happen. And he's left with it, and then people are like, oh, okay. And, and, and you're used to it now, and it's not normal. It's not okay. And these caravans that the president is concerned about is really, you know, fictitious. But, you know, this immigration thing, and I really thought about this today as we end 2018, going into 2019, because you start out like you can hold out. But when you deal with this immigration issue, we have to really look at this. It's a black, white, brown issue. This president is concerned about the browning of America. And you have to look at it. Why is he so concerned about immigrants when this president has a close relationship to people who are from other countries? Mm -hmm. Two wives, his first wife and this wife. And then we just saw that his in-laws received... Um, what they, call chain what they call so, chain migration, right? right? Which is family reunification. Exactly. Right? Ex exactly. So it, it seems to be okay for certain groups to come into this nation, but then when you have brown American, black American, they're from S-hole nations, or they're terrorists or, or criminals. This is hypocrisy, it's racism, and, and let's just call it out. It's Remember, just, you have what to work there. doing is hyping up people. <laughs> I know, I do, but, but it's the truth. <laughs> okay, it's the that's truth. what I said. It's a lie, even if they believe it. That, that is the truth. But the thing is, though, I really do think, listen, there is some, I think there is some truth to what you were, you were saying. But I also think it's what works for this yeah. president and his base. If his base said, oh, people well. People are over it. People yeah. are getting over it. But if his base said, if, 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 if it would keep him in office and in power for his base to say, well, let's just um, grant you know, immunity to everyone and let all, everybody in, uh, all of the immigrants in, he would do that. But, yeah. right, David? Don't you think? Yeah, Don, yeah, yeah, if I could jump in there, right. To, to your point and to, to follow up on what April was just saying. Look, the president does things and has been doing things to hold on to the 40% of the country that's with him. But politics is a game of addition, and he is not adding on to his coalition to where he has a majority of the country behind him. Right. He's got 40%. The bottom has not fallen out on him, but he does nothing to expand on that because he plays to that 40% on issues, as April said, like immigration, where it's a zero-sum us versus them. Let's keep people who are different than us, whoever us is, out of the country. If that means building a wall, having more uh, border patrol, demonizing immigrants unless they're immigrants from certain countries. Can I just say one thing about him, Don? Sure. You said in your, in your take about deal-making. We're right now in a position where, right at this point in President Obama's presidency, he made a deal right after he got shellacked in the 2010 midterms, 
He made a deal with Republicans where he got repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell in exchange for what Republicans wanted, which was uh, an extension of the Bush tax cuts. It's not a shutdown situation, but here in this shutdown that we're in right now, President Trump has not done the same thing, even though he's supposedly the great negotiator of offering Democrats mm -hmm. something that they want, in which they might give him something that he wants, funding for the wall, which, of course, Mexico was supposed to pay for. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, it had a you know brain, you know what, uh, I, I meant to say amnesty and not immunity. And by the way, my producers didn't say that, just... Um, there's been so many investigations. I have immunity on the brain here. So listen, <laughs> I, gotta, I wanna ask you this, Stead. Um, listen, he, the President Trump, his press secretary, um, the acting chief of staff, all putting this shutdown, you saw that, right, standing up, <laughs> saying that it was, uh, it's all Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats. Why is Pelosi to blame when he said that he would be proud to own this? We knew the president was going to do this. He has one mode of operation, which is to blame the opposite party. He clearly <clears throat> took responsibility for the, the quote-unquote shutdown in that Oval Office meeting we all saw. And this is what his base wants. This is what they're reacting to. I think David's right when he's saying that he's looking at that 40% of people who are his supporters. Because last year, I remember, when he took that deal from Democrats and kept the government open but seated on wall funding, mm -hmm. that was one of the few times you had the Ann Coulters of the world, the Rush Limbaugh's of the world, really upset with the president. And so this time around, for better or for worse, he's listening to those voices, and he is, uh, he's, quote-unquote, standing up for that wall funding. Yeah. But what that means is that he won't, he won't have that kind of deal-making, art-of-the-deal moment. He, he is uh, rooted to this kind of position that Democrats have a moral obligation in their minds to stand against. That puts us to this kind of stalemate that le has led to this government. It's shutdown. certainly making it interesting for us, right? Mm -hmm. and, and sadly, interesting in a different way for people who are not getting paid. Uh, because of this partial government shutdown. David, I want to get to another important story, very sure. important story that we covered a lot uh, on this broadcast. The North Carolina State Board of Elections dissolved today uh, without certifying results from the 9th Congressional District, a race that's tainted by allegations of ballot fraud by a Republican operative. Where does this leave this race? Will there be another election? Uh, I think there has to be, and I, I believe today it was reported uh, Majority Leader, uh, incoming Majority Leader, Hoyer uh, say, saying essentially that Democrats are not going to seat the quote-unquote winner of the North Carolina election as, as they shouldn't. There's too, much, uh, uh, so, uh, there's too many allegations of fraud surrounding the election. They haven't gotten to the bottom of it all. You don't even have many Republicans defending this Republican candidate and this Republican operative. Uh, you will just have to have another election and let the chips fall where they may. I think it's a Republican-leaning district, uh, but, uh, but you know, anybody's guess now what happens with this wild card in the mix. Again, Happy New Year's. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate Happy New Year's. It. Enjoy. Be safe out there. Uh, is a nude selfie, that's right, a nude selfie, part of the evidence collected in Robert Mueller's Russia investigation? We're going to get to the bottom of it. The FBI and uh, Justice Department's handling of the Clinton email server and Russia investigations. Are they savoring their final hours in power or gearing up for a battle when Democrats take over next week? Lots of discussion. Mon Prokopes, Renato Mariotti, and Michael Moore. I feel, what, is this like 2014, 15, 16? Like what in the world is happening? But, Shimon, I digress because it is breaking news. Uh, there's been all this intrigue surrounding the mystery court case uh, related to Mueller's investigation, and there's new movement tonight from the Supreme Court. Tell us what's going on.
Yeah, so this is one of the big mysteries in this investigation. Uh, Mueller's been trying to get information uh, from someone, uh, an institution, uh, some company uh, that has been fighting this subpoena. It's a grand jury subpoena. It's, pre it's for information. And this company has been fighting it. Uh, <clears throat> they just lost the most recent battle. So now they've taken it up with the Supreme Court. What's interesting here is the few clues that we do have is that this is a foreign company uh, that is owned by a foreign state nation. And therefore, they're arguing uh, that divulging any information would violate laws in their own country. And that is why they should not have to cooperate with the Mueller investigation. They've already lost uh, here uh, on the appeals within the appeals court. Mm. They're now taking it up to the Supreme Court. But of course, all of this is under seal. So we really don't know much more than these two clues that it's a foreign gotcha. company. Uh, and that also, essentially, the other thing that's been going on here is that reporters who have been trying to cover some of these hearings have been thrown out of the courthouse because everything's been closed off and it's all been sealed. It's a huge mystery, but certainly something very important for the Mueller team. It's information that they clearly believe is key to their investigation. Interesting. Uh, Sharon, also, House Republicans, as I said, they just wrapped up their review of the FBI's handling of the Clinton uh, and Russia investigations, and they're reiterating uh, some of their prior criticisms. Can you tell us what they're saying? I mean, look, it's everything we've already heard, Don, right? They were not happy with how the FBI conducted the Clinton investigation. Uh, they think it's that the way they handled the Russia investigation was different than the Clinton email investigation. They also feel that the FBI and the Department of Justice were not cooperative uh, in their investigation. Remember, they wanted all sorts of information, a lot of it classified, deeply secret within the Department of Justice, within the FBI. They wanted documents, they wanted information, and the Department of, Ro of Justice and Rod Rosenstein were fighting them on this, uh, and they say that that was unfair to them, that it really prevented them from getting mm -hmm. everything. Uh, but the one good thing that they did say, I think, in all of this is that the Mueller investigation uh, is important and that that needs to proceed. Yeah, let's talk about that because uh, I'm going to read the quote, Michael. This is what, um, uh, it's a note from uh, the Judiciary Committee. It's from Bob Goodlatte, the Oversight uh, Committee Chairman, uh, Trey Gowdy as well. And here's what they write. They said, um, there has been no effort to discredit the work of the special counsel. Quite the opposite. Whatever product is produced by the special counsel must be trusted by Americans. And that requires asking tough but fair questions about investigative techniques both employed and not employed. Good news for the special counsel, Michael? You know, I really think, Don, that they're just damning him with, with, with faint praise. And they're, they're sort of picking up the role here of the classic uh, criminal defense attorney. And that is, you know, when you don't want the jury to find out that there was a smoking gun somewhere on your client's property, what do you do? You go after the, the, uh, the cops who found it. And you talk about how bad the cop was and how many... Thanks, Don't. everybody, for letting me snoop in.
Give me the night. <laughs> Thanks, ladies and gentlemen, for sticking with me uh, for the George Wilder Jr. show. And uh, it is 15 after 7 Central Standard Time here in the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois. It is cold. It is still below zero. But the temperature in the city of Chicago, I can't speak for anywhere else, is going up. It's going up, but they say it's going to snow for the I think four to six inches mm, uh, of snow and, uh, you know, still bundle up. You go out there, you bundle up, put on layers because this is some dangerous stuff. You really, really don't want to get caught out there uh, not dressed properly. But, you know, you're still going to have people out here in this frigid weather not dressing properly. I've seen senior citizens come out. Uh, older Americans come out. I'm not talking about young people. I'm talking about older people come out not dressing properly. I mean, you, you people come out with hoods on their coats, but they don't have them on. They don't have them covering, covering up their head. Yes, the other day I saw a bald man, 30 below zero, and this guy was walking around. He was bald, nothing on his head, pretending like he wasn't cold. You ever see those people out here who are half-dressed, don't have much of anything on and it's cold as hell and they're walking down the street pretending as if they're not cold making you think that you all bundled up you must be the idiot one you must be the stupid one because you have on so many clothes they have on none and they and they're walking down the street with no clothes on and 50 below zero because they think they're cute but i've said this for years i mean if you Having got you gotten your flu shot and you're out there with nothing on and it's cold, bitter cold, historic, uh, 
uh, weather and temperatures, uh, you're the fool. You're going to wind up with a cold. You're going to end up with the flu. And then you're going to take these uh, diseases, this sickness, uh, back home, and you're going to infect everybody around you. I mean, you're going to get sick. I mean, this is the kind of weather where people are going to be sick, not deadly sick, uh, but just, you know, sick from the cold weather. And it's going to take a few weeks for them to try to get back to normal again. We're all going to get sick. I can I can feel myself coming down with something because of the cold weather. And I have not even been out there much at all. But, you know, uh, it's just something about the cold weather that says, hey, get sick. Start being bedridden. Get in the bed. Take your medicines, uh, aspirins. You're going to ache and pain. Your throat is going to hurt. <laughs> You're going to be coughing your ass off. It is just something about very, very cold weather that, uh, you know, that uh, causes some people to be down and out. It just happens. And a lot of people who are out here, whether they're going to work, going to school, I wouldn't say out here just for the hell of it. But if you're out there and you're out there every day, you're going to come down with something, a small sickness, not a large one. If you had your flu shot, you're still going to get something, but you will not probably not get the full-blown flu because because you've had your flu shot. But, you know, this, this cold weather across the Midwest, across uh, America, is going to affect everybody, whether you're inside or out. You know, because a lot of people are freezing their asses off in their homes, in their apartments, because there's no heat. There is no heat. So people and people have been calling their mortgage holders. They've been calling their landlord and they've been calling a 311, but still they have no heat. And it seems to them as if nobody really cares if they have heat or not. You know, so and for those who have heat and and lucky enough to have a warm to sleep. God bless you. But there are so many out here who have not. You know, so, and um, we, we can just hope for a speedy, speedy. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be 40s next week, folks. I mean, that's going to that's gonna seem like springtime for, for all of us. <laughs> I mean, we're just going to say, oh, wow, let's get the shorts and go to the beach. 40 degrees, right? But it's a lot better than 40 below. Uh, and, and it feels a lot better than 40 below. Uh, uh, and we can't wait. We can't wait for the 40s. But I, I believe that's going to be a while. Even 20s and 30s <laughs> will be a lot better than what we have right now. And I can tell you that the temperature is rising. And they're saying that most of it's going to come. And, you know, look at the um, uh, five-day, 10-day forecast. Winter is not over. It's still here. It just may be a little bit more bearable, but that doesn't mean that you have to slack off in how you dress when you uh, go outside. It's cold, man. <laughs> it's, it's not BSing. It is cold. And uh, people, from what I'm hearing, people have died from this. They, they're calling it the return of the uh, polar vortex. People have died from this. Check, I mean, do your research. Find out. So if you go out here, make sure you, no matter what you're going out here for, even if you're just walking across the street to the store or around the corner, or maybe you're going to drive to the store, bundle up. Do not be one of those people. When I got central air in my car, I have all kinds of uh, 
heat in my car. But that doesn't mean that you should not uh, bundle up because in order for your heat to work properly in your car, no matter how, if it's old, if it's new, uh, you're going to have to warm the car up in order, <laughs> in order for the heat to really actually kick in. So you really, so when you first, so when you uh, first go to your car, open the door, it's going to be pretty cold inside if you've been keeping your car outside. It's going to be pretty cold inside your car, and you're going to have to get in there, crank it up, and let it sit for about five or ten minutes. And that's if it starts at all in this cold weather. And before the heater, actually having a car and having a big-ass heater in it does not uh, equate for a lot of people not to dress for this extraordinary weather that we're having. And it is historic. It is totally historic. All right, the George Wilder Jr. show is just about off the air. I think about 10 minutes, 10 more minutes on, and we're going to take a hiatus. Got a lot of writing. I got a lot of writing to do. Got a lot to write. Um, as you can see, I'm I'm coming down with something. As I I'm, I'm coming down with something. I'm stuttering. I'm I'm sniffling. And uh, and I've been inside most of the time. You know, I've been inside most of the time. <laughs> You're not going to get me out there in that shit. I, <laughs> I have been in the house. But either, even though just the thought of, of 60 below weather uh, makes me want to go throw up. I mean, it is really, really cold. And I appreciate everybody's good wishes who have been saying, George, uh, stay warm, stay healthy and I appreciate all of those uh, people out there who have said those things and uh, I, and I always say same to you same to you stay healthy stay safe stay warm and stay listening to the George Wilder Jr. show <laughs> listen to my show because it's cold it is very cold and we will be right back taking a musical break on the George Wilder Jr. show
Mr. Trump, it's Dixon White here, sending a video letter directly to you, sir. And the only reason I call you sir is because the office that you hold is supposed to be a respectable office. But so I just want to speak directly to you, Mr. Trump. I know you may never get this video. Maybe you will, though, because at least I have white skin like you. But first, I wanted to applaud you for one thing, and only one thing. Um, many racists in politics are very covert. So I applaud you for being an open racist, and I applaud you for at least letting us see just how racist you are. And it's now it's it's well established worldwide that you are a bona fide white supremacist. Um, there's not a nation that hasn't condemned you as a racist. So you have dishonored and disgraced one of the, the highest office offices in the land. But I wanted to say one thing. You made a comment yesterday about shithole countries, poor, black, brown countries. So because they're poor, because they're black and brown and not white or European, you consider them shitholes. Well, I wanted to give you an accurate definition of a shithole nation. A shithole nation, by definition, would be a nation like America that allows and tolerates a racist to operate in their highest office, the presidency. That is a shithole nation nation that tolerates a racist president. There is no worse pile of shit or turd in the toilet out of all the other countries than a great nation like America that allows its president to be an open white supremacist and then to allow them to continue to function as president. That's the biggest turd in the pot, or as you say, the biggest shithole. Why? Because you, Mr. Trump, are the shit, the turd, in the White House that's staining and putting the foul odor all over our nation. And of course, the only reason you're there is because you're a racist. You're a complete and utter idiot with no competency whatsoever to be where you're at. The only reason you're there is because we had a black president and our racist nation wanted a racist president after a black president. So until America can get past its racism, which I don't know if it ever has, because there's one thing about black folks, Mr. Trump. Black folks have always understood one thing. The more things change in this country, the more they stay the same. You are living proof that any white person, no matter how racist they are, and matter of fact, racism is actually more of a compliment in this nation. It's like apple pie racism in America. They go hand in hand. If you're a white American, you're a racist, and you've, and you've proven that. And not only you're a racist, if you're a racist, you get rewarded for being a racist in this country. Why? 
because we are a racist organization called America. Fact. And nothing has changed. In 400 years, what has really changed? We're still seeing black and brown folks executed in the street. Not that you and Jeff Sessions or any of your racist motherfucking cabinet care. You don't give a fuck about justice for people of color. You're all a group of white nationalists. So I just want to tell you, here's one white guy, and I'm telling you personally, Donald Trump, kiss my white fat ass. I hate you, Donald Trump. I literally hate you. And I pray to God, you get impeached. You're an embarrassment to our nation and upon the world. Please do us all a favor and resign. The only people that want you in office are more racist. And yes, I know that our country, the majority of white people are racist. And the majority of white people totally and completely support you. I really believe that. Because they're not supporting you, then they're silently ignoring your racism. But anyhow, please do us all a favor. In Congress, please act to remove this racist motherfucker and his racist administration, or Congress is no better. Please remove this racist motherfucker from office. It's 2018, guys. And if we can't remove this racist motherfucker from office... America is no better than it was 400 years ago. All righty. Uh, <laughs> uh, the George Wilder Jr. Show. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me. The George Wilder Jr. Show is just about off the air, folks. I've uh, had a great time here. I've uh, had fun. I hope you had some fun listening to the show. And I want to thank my guest, uh, Stephen Howard, for giving his insight and his expertise on Alzheimer's, stroke, and um, dementia, uh, subjects that, uh, diseases that are going on in this country right now. And if we can do anything about slowing it down or being able to manage it a little bit better, make sure you go and check out his books on Amazon on the subject. And uh, always a podcast to show and to uh, re-listen and download it to get more information on these three crushing subjects that I think they are just so awful, awful. So anyway, uh, the George Wilder Jr. Show is going off the air. We will be back next week with more guests, Monday through Thursday. This show is on Monday through Thursday, starting at 6 o'clock Central Time uh, in the city of Chicago. And uh, 6 o'clock Central Time, well, p.m., put it that way, 6 p.m. Central Time in the city of Chicago to 7.30, an hour and a half, maybe two hours, depends on what's going on. Uh, as we uh, progress on into the show uh, and its, you know, topics, things we're talking about, and guests that uh, will appear on the show. So anyway, thanks for tuning into the show. Make sure you join us next week, folks. The George Wilder Jr. Show is here to stay, and um, that's the way it's going to be. And still and all, it's about making the world a better place, no matter how hard it gets or how <laughs> it seems so, or that it seems so impossible. Uh, never uh, count yourself out. Never uh, say that, say what you can't do. You can do anything you want to do, no matter what age you are, if you're healthy uh, and you're thinking positive 
you can do anything you want to do, no matter what age you are. I mean, I've known, I've known people uh, 86 years old running marathons. So you, your knees don't have to always hurt, uh, and pain has has uh, no uh, no part in your life. Don't have pain have any part in your life. I don't think actually. I don't think medication is good for pain. Prescriptions. I, I you know what I think. That's what's good for pain. Exercise, being positive, having your family around you, having your family near you. That's all the inspiration you need to get better. That's all the information you need better. I want to say thanks, people, for listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Make sure you tune in next week or podcast some of the shows that are, that are here on this website. Uh, I, I have over six or 700 of them, and they're all good, <laughs> all because I, I'm doing them. Okay, bye-bye, everybody. Take care. Stay warm. Stay safe. I'll see you on Facebook. Heaven help the child who never had a home. Heaven help the girl who walks the streets alone. Heaven help the roses if the bombs begin to fall. Black man, if he struggles one more day, heaven help the white man if he turns back away. Heaven help the man who kicks the man who crawls. Heaven help the song.